So actually this is the third session of the introduction we've done up to verses 1 through 12. Now we're finally entering into the text. 2장, and actually chapter 1 verse 12 음. to chapter 2 verse 23 is one section. 예. 이제 내요한 달락 안에 여섯 개의 소달락이 이제 있어요. And in this section is subdivided 음. into six. 음. 자, 그래서 이제 모두가 전도자가 이제 이 인생이나 이 세상에 대해서 관찰하고 그것들을 경험하면서 이제 And so the preacher is experiencing and observing and studying his life and, and giving a sermon. Now, to the world, researching and, and experience are all good things. But in the kingdom of heaven, these are elements that are not needed. They are not necessary. Because the kingdom of heaven is about faith. It's not about research, experience. So we'll talk about this later. So remember in the introduction I explained that there are three other uh, points of views in this book not just the preacher there's the uh, editor and the author the speaker Now this isn't really that important But within the book of Ecclesiastes there are points of conflict within the narrative For example, the author praises and and emphasizes the law. But but sometimes it seems as if the preacher doesn't really consider the law very highly. Because he's someone who exists in this world. And so are these three one person? Or are they individuals? Or maybe it's two people. We'll realize this once we get to the conclusion. But throughout the introduction and throughout chapter 2, we see uh, this book from the perspective of the preacher. And so at the very least, up until chapter 2, we do not see this conflict. And so now the preacher is going to speak of life after all of his experience, after all of his research. And we've gone through Proverbs before and we'll see things that are very similar to what we see in Proverbs. And yet the content is completely different from Proverbs. For example, Proverbs, uh, wisdom is very important. It's the key theme. And in the same way, Ecclesiastes speaks of wisdom. But the wisdom of Proverbs is from above. It's godly wisdom. 
But in Ecclesiastes, it does mention godly wisdom, but most of, for the most part, it's worldly wisdom. And especially in today's text, it's focused on worldly wisdom. And this wisdom is about what? It's about experiences. And so in the world, how do they live? As they try, as they make trial and error, they find what to do and what not to do, right? But that's just statistics. And so even like all the shamans and witch doctors, everything that they do, it's all statistics. Uh, If someone looks like him, he's not going to have an easy life. (laughs) It's statistics, right? But that's uh, that's just from their point of view. From the kingdom of heaven, he is a success. And so when it comes to experiences, all it is is just data. And in the world, this data is very important. In in the 17th century, there was the philosophical um, uh, movement of empiricism. Right? Right? It's all empirical thinking. And there's, you know, present-day philosophers. I don't know the name, but you know, they talk about futurism. Okay, the book is in my office, but I haven't read it yet. And what they talk about is that whoever has information is the one who's going to be victorious. And long time ago, I bought it because someone recommended it. But when I saw the title, this is what I said. It's not about who has information who will be victorious. It's about who has the right information. But now obviously we're not going to say the truth is information. But in this world there is no right information. Because some information may apply in this case, but it doesn't apply to that case. And that's the reason why we do not give cell phones to our children. Because all that information that comes from through that cell phone is not truth. And we were talking about the word hevel, all things is vain throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. And remember, we said that uh, emptiness, vanity being the meaning for hevel is only one hundredth of that part. And Hevel isn't just saying that there's something there where it's not. No, the important thing is is that it's like a fog. It's real. It's reality. That it's there, but it dissipates very quickly. And so you should not put trust in in this fog. Everything in this world is, uh, the information of this world is Hevel because because according to the circumstances and the situation it always changes and so if you base your life on this changing situation then you will always wonder 
And so do not think of Hevel as an illusion. There is a real effect. When you, when you live with the things of this world, there is influence in your life. And, and so if it, it would come as like maybe a physical torture or spiritual torture it influences your body and being for example with God I was supposed to live forever but because of sin I, now man's lives are numbered at 120 years that didn't just happen out of nowhere it's not random No, it's because uh. our physiolo- physiological oh. body has been transformed. Uh. Many, multiple elements. For example, uh, what uh. scientists have discovered is that our bodies uh. were naturally producing vitamin E. Speaking this in front of doctors makes me nervous. There was a famous research paper from San Francisco that said that our bodies originally naturally made vitamin E. But because this vitamin E is no longer being produced, and so that's why I recommend you take your supplements for vitamin E. But that's that's part of the reason why we do not live as long anymore. But my point right now is this Hevel is reality. If you live with this illusory fog-like thing, then your life will be empty. That's what we talked about throughout the introduction, yes? And so now he's going to speak of these Hevels throughout chapter 2. And so these six uh, sections are speaking of the Hevels of life. And it says that if I base my life on these things, I'm mad. And because I'm I'm a pastor. I don't see the news every day. But there are times where I uh, like to observe the people around me. Particularly when I go to the gym. They're all crazy. And so like the word of God says here today, they are going mad. Because they live based on emptiness, on Hevel, they are going mad. And in this new season, it's time for us to be separated from Babylon. And as I always say, our life is not tortured because we do not receive what the world gives. Rather, we lose out on what God is trying to give because we hold on to the things of the world. And so the point of victory is not in possessing the things of the world but being separated from the world. And also the most precious thing God gives us is holiness. And that's where holiness is based on. 
I'm sure none of you question this. And that's why I say to the young adults, don't waste your time trying to build up your specifications. Remember that authority comes from separation, from sanctification. Because I am separated from the authority of money, I have authority over money. Because I'm separated from the influence of people, I have have personnel authority. This is the order of spiritual things. 자, 그래서 이제 이 헤벨들을 우리가 이제 이 장내에서 볼 텐데. And so we'll see the six different types of hevel that he speaks of. 그러니까 뭐 여기서도 지혜를 얘기하지만. And here he speaks of wisdom, yes. 이 지혜는 전부 다 세상적인 지혜를 얘기하는. But all of this wisdom is worldly wisdom. 그러니까 이 지혜마저 이 경험적 지혜마저도 헤벨의 영역이다. And so even wisdom is part of this hevel, this vanity. 우리 고린도전서에도 얘기죠, we talked about this a lot in 1 Corinthians 예, as well. 어, 어, 우리는, 어, 본다면, right that we can see worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Let us live by heavenly wisdom. That's what we'll see throughout today's text. Let's enter into today's text. Hevel, do you feel that your life is becoming more and more vain? 하나님이 없이 가지고 있는 모든 것은 그 무엇이든 해변이라는 걸 분명하게 여러분은 알게 될 거고 경험하게 될 거야. And what you will realize and what you will come to know is that everything that you have outside of God is hell. 그것을 이 전도자처럼 인생의 말년에 가서 그것을 알게 되면 이제 그건 이제 종치는 거야. But our hope is that we will not realize it like the preacher at the end of his life. 그러니까 이 전도자처럼 인생의 말년에 그것을 깨닫고 그래도 인생의 정년의 시간이 이, 이, 있다는 건 복된 거지만. And of course it's, it's great and a blessing that he had this time to organize his life before he died. 그런 그런 사람들은 거의 없어. But this is not a normal case. 죽을 때 되세요. 아이고 인생을 허망하구나. 그냥 종치는 그걸로. Most people that they'll realize on the moment that they die and that's their end. 정년 시간도 없어. There's no time for them to get right. 그러니까 이 전. 우리는 이 전도처럼 이렇게 인생의 말년에 그 모든 것들이 허무하다 이렇게 이렇게 살면 끝난다 이 말이죠. And so if we live as the preacher and only realize at the end, then our lives are going to be wasted. 사실 이 모든 문제는 뭐야? 거듭나면서 인생은 해별이다라는 것을 알게 되는 거지. And so what we need to realize is that when we are saved, we find that ah, everything is vain. 내가 성산 주님 만나서 그렇게 세상의 화려함을 한 번에 다 포기해 버려. As 33 years ago when I was saved, I gave up all the riches of the world right away. 하나님의 영광을 보니까 그렇게 돼. Because I saw the glory of God, it happened automatically. 이제 전도서 십이 And what will the preacher say in conclusion in chapter 12? He says that in your youth, remember your Creator God before you find everything to be empty. And so, how beautiful is it that the young adults in our church are realizing this and giving their lives to God early? Remember that in this world, life is hevel, it's vanity. But to those who have met with God, that hevel becomes part of that glory. And so everything is precious, everything is beautiful. That is what will clearly happen. 
that the peoples will be beautiful. Uh, right? It normally is emptiness. Right? Money was empty, but through meeting with God, that money becomes a beautiful thing for God's work. All things become eternally valuable because it's in God. And so in Christ, the world is not vain. It, there is value. And this value doesn't just end on this earth, but it's building riches in heaven. And so everything outside of God is Hevel. But in Christ, not only does it overcome that Hevel, but it is eternal. And so in this season, as we're being separated from Babylon, how amazing is it that God has given us the word of Ecclesiastes? And as you listen to these sermons, continue to receive in your heart that this world is empty, it's vain. And we'll continue to see this. And so first, let's look at verses 12 to 15. This is the introduction of this entire section. And it's his observations of life as a whole. Verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And remember in the introduction, I clearly stated that the author of Ecclesiastes is not Solomon. That this Koelet, this preacher, is not Solomon. For example, we talk about the, the Pentateuch of Moses. It was all compiled and edited during the time of Ezra as they were returning from the exile. And so though it was compiled at that time, there is no doubt that it was Moses who was the author. Because that tradition that has been handed down orally through Moses has been handed down and then written at that time. But the Ecclesiastes is a different case. Because if Solomon was the author of Ecclesiastes, then that should be the time frame of what all, everything is being spoken of. But that doesn't make sense. We need to be able to interpret the text in the context of the historical background of the 3rd century BCE. And also a lot of the words that he uses are words that were developed later. And they're all language that was used after BC 5th century. Now of course these words themselves individually it may not be that important. But what we need to see is that when God writes the Bible there is a purpose. And all of this I have shared with you. Why God wrote the book of Mark. What was his purpose for the recording of the book of Mark? And in the same way, God has a purpose for Ecclesiastes. And primarily, it's easy to, I mean, it's uh, uh, you are able to interpret it in that historical context. But if you put it to the time of Solomon, it's not interpreted easily. And not only 
does it even it never mentions Solomon. It's the season after they have returned from the exile and moving into the third century as there are many more injustices. That's what's happening. Right? We see currency, money starting to take form. And the stratification of society as we see high class, low class slaves. And going beyond that, we see very rich people, right? Right, as as this commerce starts to build up. And so in that time, this author is someone who has enjoyed that wealth. And he lived like a king. And so in other words, is he's parodying Solomon. And so basically he's just speaking as if he lived like Solomon. And this is not that important, but But I explaining because some there are many of you get offended when I say that Solomon's not the author. That's the danger of foolish. Seminary. And so, whatever preaching I preach, we have five theological doctors in our church. Yes. Of the 18 pastors in our church, five of them are doctors. And so, if I was to speak nonsense, all five of them would start to say something. Especially Pastor Jong, he'll send me a text message that, oh, in this year you sent me that. Or you said this. And so yesterday, as I was talking about empiricism, I said, John Locke. John Locke was the one who who organized and formulated the entire idea of empiricism but it was Francis Bacon who started it and so that message came to me this morning and he explaining empiricism to me and so brothers it's not easy to have doctors under you <laughs> and but I mean, look, I am the one who gave them all their directions for their dissertation, and they all got their doc dissertations through my preaching. So I'm not afraid of them. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm not going to speak nonsense in front of them. Okay. Okay, there's one doctor who gave approval, seal of approval. <laughs> who else? <laughs> okay, second seal of approval. Okay, they all came from world famous <laughs> seminaries. And so even if you don't have trust in me, trust in our seminaries of students, okay? And so it's clear that he is uh, that Solomon is not the author. If we take this to that time frame of 9th century or 10th century BC, we cannot interpret the text. And scholars, this is what they make their money on, right? 
And so there are many blessings that you are here in Yerbang Church. But even the fact that you now know that Solomon is not the author of Ecclesiastes, that is a great blessing in your life. Okay, because with that knowledge, many people are trying to do all kinds of things. Let's move on. Verse 13. And I applied my heart. And so applied my heart. I gave it all. And in the word, in this word heart in Hebrew is the word lev. This is a word that you can use in the Greek for cardia. And so during this Old Testament time, because the Holy Spirit is not indwelling within them, at times in the New Testament era, we can say cardia could be spirit and heart. Right? It could mean your spirit, it could mean your entire being, or it could mean your entire mindset. But in the Old Testament, this word lev doesn't need this complicated definition. And now, amazing thing about the Hebrews is that the world doesn't acknowledge spirit. But the Jews already acknowledge the existence of spirit. And so when he says with all his heart, that means that his entire being has made this determination. And we'll see in verse 16 that he's speaking to himself, right? He's making his determination That I have spoken to my heart and my heart had great experience, right? And so now he's not speaking of the terms that we talk about like old self, new self. But many times we make our this, this kind of self determination. Yes. 그런 거예요. 그래서 이제 이 코엘렛이 전도자가 이제 And so this Kohelet, this preacher, is determining to himself that I'm going to live this way. That I have determined to live in this way. And we're looking at the repetition of heart throughout chapter 2. Because what he's saying is he's talking about his determination to observe life carefully. Right? That he's going to reset. and observe his life. And as he comes to the end of his life, he has earned lots of money and he has made lots of money. But he realizes that this is not life, that it is vanity. And now he's looking into why that is the case. And so as I have been saying continually, it's dangerous if we realize this at the end of our lives. To all children who are born again of God, they need to realize that everything in this world is vain. And so we are not to invest our strength, our being into those things. Right, our Lord Jesus Christ won the victory to show us that this is all vain, that it has all been dealt with. It's all solved. Right, we can look to many verses in the Bible. 
And so really, in this world, what is it about? It's about survival. But the Bible clearly says that we are not too cling to survival. Do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. That you should seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What else? What else does it say? Romans 8.12 That the Lord has already paid off the debt to the flesh. And so you are no longer indebted to the flesh. We live for glory. I'm a pastor. If pastorship becomes my burden, then it becomes a religion. And if this church becomes my burden, this becomes my church. It becomes my kingdom. And so I do not take that burden upon myself. Think about how much money I have to pay salary for for all the pastors who are in this small little church. And the reason why I'm able to invite all of these people in is because I am not the owner. I am not the CEO. And so whenever I hear that our church doesn't have money, I don't care that 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 they may not get paid. I'm going to get paid. And of course, this never happened throughout the past 25 years. But if that does become the case, I'm going to take my salary first. <laughs> Shall we try? Why? Because I am not the CEO. It's the same thing to you. The owner and master of your life is him. Oh, but because I'm a father, I got to be responsible for my children. Now, of course, many times you make that mistake because you only have one or two children. But if you have six children like me, you you would not even dare to think that thought. And also, you got to feed them less, right? (laughs) Or you got to eat less. <laughs> and so there, I, I do not dare to try to take responsibility. And so whatever it is in your life, do not take that burden upon yourself. If you are a child of God. And this is the reason why you are so weighed down spiritually. That whatever the reason may be, if you take this burden upon yourself, the vanities of this world is weighing you down. And so it, it's not an ex- over-exaggeration to say that it's the stress that the world loves to speak of. Now stress is, is a little bit more of a smaller definition. But this pressure is influencing you. It's affecting you. It's affecting your health. It's affecting your character, your personality, especially as children of God. You lose that faithfulness of God's promise. And from spiritual authority perspective, we are supposed to have deep fellowship with God. But if we have this great weight upon us, we cannot have that deep fellowship.
방콕에서 뭐 많은 거 맛있는 거 많이 먹고 그런 거 아니야? 그런 거 같은데. 음, 음. 자 계속 갑시다. 자 그래서 어, 어, 자 어. 근데 봐요 마음을 다 지혜를 써서 어, 하늘에서 행하는 모든 일을 연구했다는 거예요. So I applied my heart 음. to seek and to search out wisdom all that is done under 자, heaven. 자 지혜는 이제 뒤에 내가 뒤에서 얘기하겠지만. 음. And I will speak about this wisdom. 이거는, 어, 이거는, 어, but this wisdom 거예요. is not heavenly wisdom, but 네, the wisdom 그러니까, of this world. And so it's about experience and trial 음. and error. And so that's why this world puts 자, such emphasis on experiences. But for 25 years, I've been saying what is the most important thing to denying 네, yourself? 자기 생각, 자기 방법, 자기 계획, 자기 Laying down your uh. thoughts, your plans, your experiences. Yeah, uh, And so, from many perspectives, I spoke of this. But from the perspective of Ecclesiastes, remember that the time of God's dominion and the time of our lives are different. The time of God's dominion is what alpha to omega. God is continually leading us 네. down this line towards perfection. And so remember we saw in the introduction that there's nothing new under the sun. But the horror time of this world is like a cycle of a squirrel just running in circles and circles and circles. And so even from time itself we see the vanity of this life. 그러니까 But God is different. He's continually leading us towards that goal, leading us in that new way. 그러니까 the world is afraid to go where it has not gone before. 않았지만, But for us, even though we've never been there before, 그 거죠, God knows the way. 그러니까, And so what does it mean to live in faith? That we rely on Him. And though 거죠. I've never been down that path before, He leads me down 그러니까, that path. Uh, 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 And so the t- even from the perspective of the timing of God 이, 이 반복이나, and the perspective of repetitive time in this world, 어, 또, 어, what else, even from the perspective of living in faith, 그러니까 세상, we see that the wisdom of experience has nothing to do with the wisdom of heaven. 건, 어, and going beyond that, the wisdom that this world speaks of has 자기가, no authority. 있겠, Now you may be confident in being able to do something that you've already done before. 뭐 and so through that confidence, will you be guaranteed victory? No. 예, 통계는 통계일 뿐이야, 그렇죠? Statistics is simply that. Statistics. 예, 어, Even if you were to have a thousand percent, it's still just 예. a statistic. 있고, 있고, it may fall into that statistic. It may not. Just because you know doesn't mean that you will have the victory. 자, 그러나, 이, 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 이 But the method of the kingdom of heaven It's not about ratios, it's about God's determination. It's His determination. And that's everything in this world. 어, 
Right, it's a lie to say that if I know and experience and can prepare, that I will succeed. And so there are doctors here. And so let's say that for liver cancer, I have to do this treatment. No, that's speaking to this cancer patient. Even though this patient may also have a liver cancer, it's a different cancer. Because in this world, this person is unique, an individual. Right? It feels like I'm spouting nonsense before all these doctors. And so if I'm wrong, please don't point me out on it. But this person's cells belongs to him and is unique to him. And so this person's treatment only applies to him. But as I minister to you, I've said this before. When you live in faith, there's always anticipation and joy that you have to rely on God. Because when I'm praying for this person's hurts and wounds, it's not going to be the same for the person. The Holy Spirit may order me to cast this person's uh, evil spirits out first. And so even though it may be the same situation, maybe God says to prophesy. Why? Because he who created him knows what treatment he needs the most. And I have never before experienced what he is going through. I cannot know the method. And so the only thing I can do is rely on him and follow as he leads me. And this is how God has leads all mankind. And this is the accurate solution. But man tries to live through statistics, through trial and error. But trial and error is not the answer. That's why there's no authority. They cannot make that uh, decision, that execution. But the wisdom of God has authority. Yes. Right. Look at Proverbs eight. The authority to have dominion over creation, to have dominion over the spirits, and all this ability to execute upon decision comes from wisdom. And so this experiential wisdom of the world. world is different from the wisdom of God. The wisdom of this world it puts emphasis on data, on experiences. Right? Think about what all these supercomputers are doing. Just simply calculating all the different possible outcomes and seeing what the percentages are. And so what is the technology that the Antichrist is going to use in the future? It's quantum computing, right? And so, And so right now, yeah. right, we, we see uh, regular computers use this digital system, right? But now the quantum computing is not yeah. going to be uh, in bits. 
And so, because it can be both zero and one at the same time, it can do multiple, infinite more calculations. And so, through these kinds of statistics, the Antichrist is going to uh, mock prophecy, pretend to be able to prophesy. And so, I told our h w a n g s u n g g y o n g at our church to study quantum phys- computing. 이제 신앙생활 잘 해줘, 그렇죠? And so she needs to be able to study. Or she needs to be able to have good faith, right? Because if she's not careful, she might be on the Antichrist team. 조심해라. Be careful. 자, 어쨌든, 그러니까 이 양자 컴퓨터를 할 때도 그것도 통계 어차피. But anyways, what is this quantum computing doing? It's just statistics. 그러니까 이생 사람들이 전부 확률에 목숨 걸고 사는 거야. And so all of these people of the world, they are betting their lives on these statistics. 믿음이란 그런 확률에 목숨 걸고 사는 게 아니야. Faith is not about statistics. 확률이 100% 확실한 확. Faith is the 100% guarantee of the Creator God. 자그주에서할말이지 And I'll talk about this later. 요새 내 설교가 좀 이상해졌어. These days my sermons have gotten very strange. I always talk about what I need to talk about later in the front and move what I need to talk about in the front to the back. But anyways, important thing. We do not live in this uncertainty. The children of God are not uncertain about their purpose, about their destination. And so if we have a question about this destination, then we cannot live as children of God. For the past 25 years, as I've been going all over the world, have I ever questioned whether we'll be victorious? No, before I even leave, I'm assured of my victory. That no matter where I go, I confirm that God has already laid out His decision. When we went to Israel, we had to pay 10 million won, and did I have that money? No, but God said, I do it. Then finished. Then already it's determined. And God gives that money. And so without that guarantee of victory, I do not take a step forward. It's the same thing with life. How can we live our lives without that ultimate victory in hand? And so for us, the destination is not what's to be questioned. That's why what's important is the step-by-step journey with God. This is about God's faithfulness, His truth, His honesty. That's why that's so important to us. And so remember, destination is about faith. That God has the victory and He is going to give that victory to us. And so if you question your ultimate victory, that is unbelief. And as you've been following me, you've seen many, many ministries. You've seen the impossible happen. Lots of weird things being healed. Right in Costa Rica, this person's uh. leg was completely shattered, yeah. and I told her to run, and she ran. If I did not believe that she will run, then I could not tell her to run. There was another sister who never, because of her heart, never was able to run once in her life, but I told her to run, and she jumped around and went party. 
What happens if she was to have a heart attack? And so this is someone who had, who had anorexia and did not eat for six months. And yet I bought bread and told her to eat it. What happens if it got stuck in her throat and she died? And so remember, faith does not question the ultimate end. But the wisdom of this world cannot have that assurance because it's simply statistics. It's experience. Nothing more. And so even though you are living in God, you keep trying to live out through statistics. And so in our relationship with God, why is faith so important? Because ultimately the most fundamental relationship I have with God is that reception of His promise as truth. But yet there are many people who do not rely on that reception but try to live through their experiences. Receiving the truth in faith doesn't necessarily mean emotional activity, some warmth that you feel. No. It's just you receive, receive that this is true. And as that faith bears fruit, you may feel that joy, you may feel that excitement, that wonder. But fundamentally, if you don't have that relationship, and yet continually try to emphasize your experience of God. Oh, I have to have visions. I have to dream dreams. Oh, I have to feel this. That is super mysticism. That is the wrong, wrong flow of faith. What is faith? It's receiving the word in faith. It's the same thing right now. If you receive this word in faith, because this word has power and authority, it creates life inside of you. And so the important thing here is to receive it in faith. If you don't receive it in faith, everything afterwards cannot happen. That without receiving it in faith first, the remaining flow does not happen. And this is probably the most important reason why you are not growing spiritually. And actually, you've been hearing me repeat this 20 years. As it says in Hebrews, that if I do not receive the word of God in faith, there is no gain. The Bible does not emphasize experiences first. Experience is what? Is the embodiment of the reception of the word. And so the most important thing in your faith life is to receive the word in faith. And so if you do not have that relationship first, then everything else fails as well. And so no matter what you do in your life, and, and all the ministry that has been going on for the past 25 years, we have never once moved because we were unsure of the result. We all always have that result in hand in the beginning. And now we go down that journey. Amen.
Uh, Amen. So I'm going to continue to expound on wisdom a little bit later. And so though both the world and heaven speaks of wisdom, they're completely different things. Even from the perspective of time, they're different. From the perspective of faith, they are different. And so we are not afraid to go down that path that where no one has gone. Why? Because though I have not God, I know Him who has. And so what's important is for me to rely on Him and then just follow Him. Amen? And so we are not afraid. And so many of you have received these orders, these commands from me and have gone to places where you have never been before. But we don't do it through preparation, studying, getting ready, no. If I say go, we go. Right, and I told you to go, you went. Right, when you began and you had nothing. Really, he had nothing. And I said, go, start a business. And God made it for him. Amen. And so go, then go. When the time comes, go. Amen. Amen. And so under heaven, under the sun, it's all meaning the same thing. And so I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under the under heaven. And I told you in the introduction that when he says that there's something under the sun, he's also saying that there's something over the sun. And so though our feet are on the ground, the ultimate choice that is before you is are you going to live under the sun or above the sun? This is really important for this. And so yes, our feet are on the ground, but we need to live by heaven. As it says in Ephesians 2.6 that we have already been seated on thrones with him. And Colossians 3 says to set your heart, seek for what is above. Right, being born again, anothe means that we receive life from above. A life that comes from outside this universe. And so in our being, there's nothing tying us down to this earth. But it's because you keep trying to live by this earth that you keep seeking the things of this earth. But what must be clear is that we are belong to heaven. And so we need to live by that heaven. That's why we call this grace. It is his gift. We live by the gifts that he gives. And so we need to understand that it's the things of this earth that are being obstacles in our lives. When God created Adam, He created Adam to be a heavenly being, not an earthly one. Though our flesh was made of the dust, but the image of God is a piece of His life that is in us. That's why I explained the word chalem. 
우리는 인간은 그러니까 창조됐다고 말한 것도 맞지만 우리는 창조되게 아니라 그렇죠? 하나님의 형상을 And so it is right to say 네. that we are created by God, but we are not just simply created, we are begotten of God. But that's why we call him Abba Father. 예, we are not just calling him because he told us to. No, but because his life is in us. And in that life has 응. all the nutrients of being his heir, of being his authority. And so we should not live under heaven. But with fellowship with God, receiving from heaven all our nourishment. And so everything that belongs to this earth is heaven. We belong to eternity. If we lose sight of that eternity, then we live by that heaven. It's because we put that eternity on everything on this earth that everything has eternity. And so a child of God cannot separate eternity with any aspect of the life. Even this truth is eternal. The blood that is sprinkled in your life, that is eternal. The word that God has given you is eternal. Everything in the Bible. That without this common factor of eternity, we, there is nothing in the Bible. There is no meaning then. And so even the money that you all love so much if that love doesn't have et- or if that money doesn't have eternal value then you, then it is simply a point of death for you right look at even Luke where it talks about the wise man who has friends with people who make money unrighteously because Because money itself is filthy. But through it, but through it, if it becomes eternal, if it applies to eternal value, then it becomes a source of good friendship. And so this dignity of God, this value that God gives, do not treat it to be empty. Whatever you do in your life, if you continually seek in your hand the things that do not that are not eternal your spirit is slowly withering and dying away now I don't have to necessarily say explicitly spiritual spiritual but rather in our lives these, this relationship needs to be embodied and so whatever you do in your life this must be part of you it must be leading you in front of you And so it should not be a choice of A or B. That's, it should not be this conflict anymore. And so this happened, I can say this because you are living more and more in the spirit. 
To someone who lives in the flesh, this will not be a serious issue. That as the world gives, they eat. If the world doesn't give, they don't eat. And they fall into despair as they come across their limitations. That if it goes beyond their ability, they fall into despair. If if you're going to live like that, what purpose is there to coming to church? If that's going to characterize your life, what purpose is there to say you believe in God? That's something that you can do just uh, praying to the Buddha in a Buddhist temple. Okay, all of a sudden, I think a lot of monks are going to protest. But pantheism, right? All these false gods, they are not above the heaven. They are all under the sun. But as children of God, God has given us all the ability to live in divinity. So it does not make sense for us to be confined to the limitations of this creation. And at the very least, believe in the witness that God has set before you through your head pastor. For the past 25 years, as you've seen me, have you ever seen me go crazy because of money? Have you seen it? No. Have you ever seen me cling to a person? No, I told them to leave. Get out. Get out. I know my g o And this is not a boast. But we are all divine children of God. As divine children of God, we are not bound to our circumstances. If you're going to kill me, kill me. Right? Because we are not afraid of death. And so if we're not afraid of death, what could be a problem? And so, brothers, this season is before you now. And so through this, he's now saying that he's going to uh, observe and research this worldly wisdom. And he makes that determination and what conclusion does he come to? That it is an unhappy business. And so this unhappy business, right? It's like mm. when your business fails. Mm. And so this is all later mm. Hebrew. And so right in the mm. third century BC, this is when economy and mm. commerce starts to 자, become 그러니까, developed in the Levant. And so through mm. business, he's coming across these worries uh, and 네, these concerns. 네, 것들이, uh, 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 지금, uh, and so this unhappy business, right? 자, That's what he's talking about. 자, 어, 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 so it is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy 자, 그러니까 with. 이, 이 결코, 어, and so what he's saying 응. is that God did not give 응. man work 응. for their happiness. 예, 그러니까 right, and so this work... Uh, this word work is to be busy. 그러니까 busy work. 
And so to people who are working outside of God, their souls, their spirits are always so busy. Whatever you do, you must have the peace of God, that peace that is always with you. That is the image of God's God's character leading you and being in you. And so no matter what you do, if your life is full of hectic chaos, then that's evidence that you are outside of God. And so he is saying that work is not an element of happiness for man that is given by God. Because as it says in Genesis 3:17 to 19, work is God's curse to Adam for his sin. Listen carefully, brothers. And so if you are finding happiness in work itself, then as it says later, that's madness. And so many, many of you brothers, you are either in business or working. And so I am not in God's presence. And yet, oh, I'm fulfilled by this work. Then I clearly say to you, you are going crazy. You are crazy. That's not my words. This is the words of the Ecclesiastes. And as I always say, the danger of the spirit of legalism is that they put value in work itself. God did not create you to be workers. God's purpose for you is has never once contained work. Work is given to uh. is is the is God's punishment uh. to 자, the 그러니까, children of uh. Adam who has fallen. And so of course everything uh. in this world is so obvious that it's under God's dominion. 자, And how are we to share that dominion? In Christ, are we going to share in blessed dominion? Or outside of Christ, are we going to suffer? That is the choice that is laid before man. And so with this in mind, work itself is not God's happiness to you. Work is given to man to show man the suffering that they go through outside of God. And so it is a curse of curses to be blessed outside of God in your work. Now, of course, that's not even possible. You will always come across limitations. And so it is right outside of God to be tortured, to be suffered. That without God, it's so obvious that you should be suffering. Because the life of Cain is to wander without God. And so where is true blessing? 
That throughout my life, immediately evidence of him being with me is manifest. That is And so I say to some of the saints at our church, Oh, that if you didn't come to our church, you would have been so happy. But because you came to this church, you are suffering so. Oh, elder, if you were outside of this church, you would probably be so successful. But you came to this church and you suffered and toiled. And honestly, that's the truth. But from the perspective of eternity, that is God's love. It's because of God's love that he suffers. Now, of course, I cannot say that this standard applies to all people. It's not universal. And God has a plan for each and every single person. It's all different. Right, there's someone who even though he sins 10 times God doesn't lay punishment but there's some people where even just one sin and God is very sensitive right like Peter that, that right as he asked who is going to love more the, the one who sinned more or less And so, right, it's the one who receives much more forgiveness who will be more happy. And so there are some people who God um, reacts very carefully with even just one sin. But this is the person that has right relationship with God. And so as it says in Hebrews, do not, do not, be, do not despair when God uh, disciplines you that is proof that you are his child and so there are many people who still have a hard time because they're suffering now of course we cannot say we enjoy suffering in itself but from the perspective that it is the process of being more attuned to God suffering is a very good standard of God's blessing. The more serious thing is that they are wicked and yet God leaves them in their wickedness. And so we need to love these, these standards that God has. Amen. Amen. So moving on, verse 14. And so clearly I say again, do not find happiness in work itself. That ah, God gave me this business because of his glory. That through this business, God's glory is revealed. That's where you should find your joy. This must be clear to you. If that's not the case, as we'll see later in Ecclesiastes, that's madness then. And that joy that you find in work, it does not last. You will come across your limitation. Verse 14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. As we saw also in chapter 1. 
under the sun is this world. That when he says he's seen everything, it means he's experienced. And so this world puts trust in the results of trial and error. But there is no real progress out of that. Mankind has known throughout history that warfare is terrible, and yet never once has warfare stopped. Man knows it's a sin to lie, and yet they cannot help but lie. That even though they know there's no progress, that man finds their identity in their in their actions, right? And so the law can help you realize sin, but it does not give you the ability to overcome that sin. And so throughout history of man. We see that at play. Right? That the best good that they can do is to recognize their sin. But they can never be victorious over that sin. And so, as I said earlier, because the way that the world lives is all emptiness. And we'll see in verse 15. What is crooked cannot be made straight, what is lacking cannot be counted. 변화된 것을 새롭게 할수 있는 것은 오직 하나님만이 주권을 갖고 계시다. And so only in God can we see change. Can we see true transformation? 인간 스스로 그것들을 해결할 수 있는 방법이 없단 말이죠. Man has no ability to do it on his own. 이제 그것들을 해결할 수 있다고 착각할 때 하나님의 분야를 건드릴 때 인간은 저주를 받는 거예요. That it's when they think that they can do it outside of God that God's curse is made evident. 하나님이 남자라는 여자라는 성을 만들었는데. Right, God created man and female, male and female. He created them. And yet these days we see people trying to mix this man being female female being man right they tr- make all these weird things but man has no authority to make this hap- be the case and so that's why we're seeing that we're at the end And so man through trial and error tried to define what success is. But ultimately the conclusion is that they cannot make it happen. And so if we live through the standards of this world as we get older we become more and more stubborn. Why? Because no matter how much you try you fail in the end. And so what is stubbornness? In other words, it's unbelief. And the stubbornness leads to uh, despair. And so despair, stubbornness, and unbelief, it's all one package. For example, look at Caleb. Caleb at 85 says, let me go out and conquer Hebron. This is the image of those who live in faith. Because it's not about oh, even though he tried, he failed. Because he lived in faith, he sees and trusts that God will give it to him. Even that at 85, he can conquer that land. And so, brothers, there are many of you who are getting up there in age. Right? Some of you are in your 40s, like me. And so you need to 
see in yourself are you becoming more and more stubborn or is your vessel of faith growing? And so even though I'm going uh, out in Yorbang church I'm continually the vision is getting 그죠? larger and larger the scale is growing right? Is that not the case? This is proof that I'm living in faith Amen Now there's one thing that is getting smaller I wanted to get I wanted to be a pastor until in my 90s but my health is not allowing me And so these days I've been reducing that about 10 years I might reduce it more a little bit later But faith does not get reduced Faith continues grows 자 그러니까 보세요 And so what does the system of this world says is success? Is that when you are control of your limitations and that's when you think that you are successful. But whoever you may be, there will come a time where you will face your limitations. There will come an event where you will face your limitations. And so ultimately that means means that you will fail eventually. Right? We see Philip in the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Right? Without, even with 200 denarian, it's not enough. And so, if you live by the world, you always say, ultimately come to the conclusion that it will not work. And so, don't bet your life on the experiences of this world. And so, Outside of faith, all things are sin. Right? That's what God says, that everything executed without faith is sin. And so as you grow in your faith life, as you go deeper and deeper in repentance, what is the most thing that you will say? It's not you only repent of the things that you fail to do, but rather you will repent of the things that you fail to have faith in. This needs to become more and more of your repentance. And so continue, we're seeing verse 15. 14. And behold, all is vanity and just striving after wind. And so under the sun, all things are heaven. It's as if you are grasping at the wind. And so this striving after wind, this word in Hebrew is to fight. And so it's like sparring with the wind. And so we talk about wind in chapter 1. What did it say? It said it's, it's frivolous. It's just going here and there. And we don't know where it's going to go. And so if you're trying to catch that, how difficult will it be? And because when you're living in the world, you are chasing after this wind, you are filled with uncertainty, always worried, always concerned, looking where you need to go. And it's like a squirrel going in circle and circle and circle. But if you live in God, it's not that's not the case. It's a direct line. And so spiritually speaking and emotionally speaking, if you live in God, if you live in faith, that one of the uh, emotions that you will experience is confidence. 
If you lack confidence, that means you are not uh. certain of your direction. Uh. For 25 years, as you've seen me, have I ever been unconfident? When I prayed in the mountains, how much confidence I had that it felt as if I could crush this world with my hand. And this confidence isn't coming from my own ability. No, my confidence is I trust that God is leading my life. And so I'm not afraid to make errors. I'm not afraid of failure. It's not about whether it will be success or not. The important thing is God is with me. That He is leading me. That this is all that matters. God is not going to punish you for your errors. Rather, He's going to punish you for your unbelief. And so if you look at the pattern of life, it's not that you are failing in life because you keep making errors. No, rather your life is ruined because of unbelief. Oh, what happens if I fail? Oh, I tried this. What happens if I get ruined? That those errors are not going to ruin your life. God counts even the hairs on your head then would he not guarantee how much more would he not guarantee your life right it's the same thing with your businesses it's not about whether you will fail okay you've already given that to God yes amen And so before God, unbelief is the true wickedness. And so we should not live vain lives like the world does where they're uncertain about what their choices are going to make. No, that's not what it means to live in faith. As I said earlier, you are not concerned about your your about the destination. That's not what's going to concern you. Like the foolish rich man. Right? He, he, he had lots of wealth stored up. And he said to his soul, How am I ever going to eat this all? And yet that very night God is going to come for your soul. Let us not live by in that emptiness, in that vapidness. And so we saw in Hosea chapter 12, we say that a frame feeds on the wind. And if you feed on the wind, you would be very hungry. Right, Yerbang Church. If I were to just show you the menu and say, ribs, Wow, look at these ribs. Don't they look so succulent? And yet nothing comes to your stomach. Then you would always be hungry. And and so that's when they rebel against the pastor. Hey, let's at least eat his flesh. But as you well know, at our church, when I say ribs, I give you the ribs, right? 
Raise your hand if all you've seen is the menu. If all you've seen is the menu, that's not my fault, it's your fault. Because actually, to be more accurate, there is no menu here in Yerbang Church. Right, where's the menu? No, we move according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right, as we go, as the Holy Spirit leads us, oh, this person wants ribs, so give them ribs. Oh, this person wants sushi, so let's give them sushi. And so these days, because of Chuseok, I think, I think I'm at this... I have this blessing of food like uh, last Sabbath we had so many crabs the smell of that crab that aroma is still around my house right now I think all the crabs of, of the sea in Incheon were all it brought to our house And so it's time for us to be transformed in how we live our lives. Amen. Amen. We did not live eating, feeding on the wind. Yes. And so that's why Ephraim, because he feeds on winds, when the east wind comes, he goes to Assyria. When the west, west wind comes, he goes to Egypt. And always building wickedness and lies. Why? Because he's becoming more and more like the world. As we saw in Hosea 12. East, west, wind is evident of what? That your life is continually transforming based on your circumstances. That's not how Israel is to live. That's not how God's children are to live. They moved in one direct line towards God's destination. That it's not transformed because of the circumstances in my life. And so brothers, you have done this part very well. Right? Even in, in your workplaces, if your work moves far away, you quit your job. I'm so grateful. It's not an easy time to find a new job. Right? There was one uh, church member at our church who was being sent into the region, countryside, and he said, I quit. Right, Israel moves based on the tabernacle. And so would God not take responsibility for your life? Amen. And so is the world is vanity, it's striving after wind. And in Proverbs 15 we see that the mouth of fools feeds foolishness. And so foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. And if you live by the world, you are characterized by this foolishness. And so foolishness enjoys foolishness and so it feeds on foolishness. And so if we live by the world, we will become fools. As a day fly does not know tomorrow, if you live by the world, you cannot know eternity. And so you live for the day. And so this preacher, he tried to understand the world, to see wisdom in the world. But ultimately, the conclusion he comes to is all hevel. It's all hevel. That's why we're proclaiming. And so all is vanity and a striving after wind. 
And so when he declares that it's Hevel, is he regretting that he should have tried a little bit harder? Is he regretting that, oh, at his lack of luck? No. No. No, he's saying, showing the order of God. As we saw clearly in verse 13, that God has given this to the children of man. That this is God's determination. If you live by the world, it will be Hevel. Uh, And so in our church, there are few who continue to live by the world. And I say to them all the time, I say very clearly, that your life will not be blessed that anything you have outside of God cannot be a blessing it will be a poison the person outside of God the money outside of God whatever it may be outside of God it will be a poison a toxin in your life why are you not saying amen this is truly amen verse 15 This is his conclusion. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. There are many awesome phrases throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Right? It's beautiful. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. And so whether it's material or immaterial, it's saying that nothing can be transformed. That when God makes something, man does not have the ability to transform it. And conversely, if God has made something to has made a decision, man cannot change it. We'll see that this that the subject of this is God clearly in chapter 7. That what God has made crooked, who dares to make straight? That it is impossible for man to transform a decision of God. That man cannot rebel, cannot resist against God's decision. And that's the reason why this world is going to crazy. Because people are trying to transform whatever they want according, uh, without, regardless of what God says. Right, look how much this, this West Sea used to be such a beautiful sea. It was where the best, freshest fish were. But now it's all become nothing more than a lagoon. And as I use the example of the sexes, right? God uh. created the male and female. And so when man resists against God's decision, uh. they are cursed. And so the most blessed life is to receive God's decision, to receive His will, to receive His purpose. And so man has no right to transform this, to change this. That's why we call him Lord. Because he alone possesses the Lordship. And this is really simple, it's basic, yes? 
And yet this is the most important thing to receive in our lives and it's also the place where we fail the most in our lives. The most important, the thing that should be your priority is to acknowledge His Lordship, His Mastership over your life. Right, look at the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. He says, do not judge. What is his first reason for saying, do not judge? I talked about this when we talked about the Beatitudes. Because he is created by God. And so whether he sins or not, that is God's responsibility. It is his will to judge. I have no right to tell him what to do. This is really important. And so all 66 books of the Bible has that in common, that it is God who is the Lord. And so if you do not put lordship, uh, his lordship in your life, then everything you do is under, is under rebellion. Right? Our church members, you bet your lives on coming to church on Sunday. And there may be many reasons for this. But first of all, it should be because it is his day. That he who owns the days have told you to do so. And so 100% you all are tithing. Why? That oh, if you get caught, you're going to be paid twice. Or you're going to be charged twice. No, that's not the case. It's because you say God is Lord over your money. You say it's not yours, it's God's. And so the book of all 66 books of the Bible, you can um, interpret it through this lordship. It's really important, brothers. And so if you resist this lordship, you cannot be successful. If you ignore this lordship, your life cannot be blessed. Try stealing God's tithe. You will continually be eaten by at locusts. Right? Those who steal, those who steal God's tithe, you will constantly be eaten away at, with rot and Right, you're going to lose it all. You are piling curses upon yourself. And so as I said in the Deuteronomy, that that the church must clearly speak of blessing and curse. Do not live your life not knowing, unaware whether you are on Mount Ebal or Mount Gerizim. And so Mount Ebal, come here. None of you, right? Gerizim, come here. Okay, Gerizim. We're all in Gerizim, yes? This must be clear to you. Okay, and the second half of verse 15, what is lacking cannot be counted. And so again, this is later Hebrew. And so when it says lacking, it's not just speaking of poverty, but it's speaking of uh, injustice in, in competition. 
right? Look at the circumstances in BC third century. 이전 지구에 가장 먼저 제국주의가 들어선 건 아수리아를 말할 수 있어요. 아시리. 그 전에도 있었지만 그 제국이라고 말하지 않아요. The, the, the most or the first yeah. empire that we could say in history, proper yeah. empire, is Assyria. Assyria. 그그 아시리아부터 이런 바빌론 시스템이 이제 슬슬 시작하게 됐어, 그렇죠? And during that yeah. empire, this Babylonian system was beginning. 이 바빌론이 완전히 정착된 것은 바빌론에 의해서 만든. But where it finally took root was during the Babylonian empire. 바빌로니아시스템이세계화된것은이제드디어알렉산더스가세계화되기시작한거예요 This Babylonian system 자, takes root 가보세요. into this world. Oh. 그 당시에 가난하고 굶주는 노예 이런 계층들 다 생기기 시작했단 말이에요. 그렇죠? And so is during this time where the poor we begin to see the poor where we begin to see slaves. 이도 그거 그 시스템 안에서 부자가 된 사람이란 말이에요. And right this preacher he was he made his riches off of this system. 이스템에서 가난하게 된 사람은 절대로 부자가 될수 없어. But those who are poor in this system can never be rich. 가난하게 된 열심히 노력하지 않고 게을리기 때문에 네가 가난해진 게 아니라 they, 그 시스템에서 그런 They are not poor because they do not try. They are not poor because they lack effort. They are poor because of that system makes them poor. And for the past 2,000 years, that's how this world has moved. The poor countries will always be poor. And the rich will always be rich. It's as if the world is omnipotent, that, the, that, that we see this evident in our lives. And so the reason why Babylon must be judged because they treat these injustices to be just. Right? And so uh, do you curse out of this, this stratification? Uh, does a dragon come out of the lower class? No. Why? Because the Babylon system makes it like this. And so when uh, when Hyundai Motors makes a uh, hundred thousand cars, they're going to make a lot of money. But in this Babylonian system, if they just transfer the transfer the, the the exchange rate just a little bit, that money becomes nothing. That's the Babylonian system. And so in this system, it doesn't matter how hard you try or how hard you work. And, it got, and the greed of man will never be satisfied in this system. And so we're constantly being debted, indebted to the system. And so life must be revolutionized. Because we need to uh, get away from this Babylonian system. Right, we need to transcend that system. And so in our church, that's the goal for us, right, is to be separated from Babylon, not to receive more from Babylon. That only God can lead us in the, uh, to victory in this unjust system. 
And so if you cling to that system, then you will live being dragged by that injustice. You will constantly be characterized by that injustice. Amen? And so now this season is for us to be completely separated from Babylon. Even up until now, we have not lived by the demands of the world. But now we're going to be even more separated. And that's why for the past 25 years, we've been fighting spiritually to take back the spiritual authority. And that time is soon going to bear fruit. And so man can never rectify the injustices of this Babylonian system. God alone can do so. And so these efforts to try to transform destiny and and the ambition of man to try to fulfill what's not there. All of these actions are hevel. Man cannot fulfill that. Man cannot make it come to fruition. And so don't pour out your energy into these things. Amen? And lastly, chapter 2. <laughs> verse 16 to verse 18. <laughs> verse 16 to 18. Okay, now he's going to officially speak of wisdom. I said in my heart I have acquired great wisdom surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me and my heart has great experience of wisdom and knowledge and so he's boasting in all his effort what he has accomplished and so in that limitation man can make something happen right in that limitation of data and experiences but we cannot call that progress to be successful that what's important is will you be happy at the end of that life But there's no rich man in, this, in the history of man who at his death said, Oh, I am happy without regret. And so really, in, in other words, when we live, we are living to die awesomely. Right? As I say that once you get to my age, you should start to be manifesting glory. That you are not bound to anything on this earth, whether it's money, or a person, or a circumstance. That none of it is a burden to you. That this is glorification. And so when you are living in faith, that means there are no obstacles. You are going free. Right? And that is the image of glory. And so maybe you have success in in your work, in in life, and in that limitation, but you cannot call that true prosperity, blessing. And so the preacher is saying that I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all in Jerusalem. Right? My heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. 
And so from the perspective of wisdom, we can, we can categorize man in two categories. Right? Just as there are believers and unbelievers. One is those who keep building on their experiences. They are continually expanding their mind, right? And so with this mind, they become more and more self-centered. That's the danger of the knowledge of the world. Because as you live by those things, your strength grows and grows. And so look, uh, where is the epitome of this self-strength, this self-centeredness? It is the cell phone. Right, this mobile phone creates the boundaries of your world. Because you are the king in this world. And in that limitation, you may be king. But you will come across that limitation. And that's where it brings powerlessness. It brings despair. And we see that evident in history, right? Because this is where there are most depression, most suicides. How shameful is that? That in in Korea, 25 largest churches of the world are here. And yet we are first in suicides all over the world. And so if we put this in good light, it's because uh, Korea is very important spiritually. And so, so the devil is working really hard. We could say that in a positive light. But also, it means that the church is not taking its responsibility. And so if we live by our experiences, we cannot help but become self-centered. Listen carefully, brothers. Listen carefully. That when you create your own kingdom, you are heading to your own destruction. If you live self-centeredly, that is your own damnation. Why? Because you are going the opposite direction of the kingdom of heaven. What about opposite? Those who live by the wisdom that God gives. Man is not created to live out of their experiences, but to live out of the gift that God gives. And so in Romans, when I talked about human physiology, if you keep living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the functions of the intellect, emotion, will in your spirit, knowledge itself, emotion itself, will itself, not out of your efforts, not out of your efforts you love, not out of your efforts you try to discipline yourself. And so again, God right now is pouring out the anointing of wisdom. And as Proverbs says, that as this gift comes to me, that you will receive the fruit of understanding. What is that understanding? It is to the knowledge of God. And that gives you the fruit of self-control. It's all one package. That when wisdom comes, this package comes with it. And so we do not live based on education. Look at Daniel. Daniel had the wisdom given by God. And so when he needed it, God gave him the wisdom to understand all the society of Babylon. 
And so though he lived in the center of Babylon, he never availed the authority of Babylon. But he lived in the perspective of God. This is the original image that God has given to you. That if God is going to do it, who can stop him? If God is going to do it, who can stop him? This is the confidence that you should have. Brothers, brothers, straighten out your back. Lift up your chin. Right? Your eyes should be up 15 degrees. If it's too high, it's arrogance, so just a little bit. Right? Have this confidence, brothers. That I live by today's daily bread. I live by God, and if God determines who dares go against Him, if God says to stop it, who dares make it happen? And so fundamentally, we should live by the pattern where we receive from God, and that is our basis. Look, Ensip is showing this clearly. Right? Our children, they do not want the education of the world. Right? I think they really don't want to study. <laughs> But look at them. Right? They, will, they shine like jewels when they go out into the world. I'm not saying this because they are my children. There are no children like them out there in the world. Have you seen any children like them? but because their spirits are being sanctified. And so look, when they graduate from ENSIP, they have the fundamentals to do whatever is required of them. Whether they go overseas to study, or if they go into the world-famous business of ANT. Amen. And so he was boasting that he had uh, success in this wisdom, in this experience. But immediately he speaks of the wickedness, the fallacy in verse 17 and 18. that all this prosperity is not actually prosperity. So I say again, that the information of this world is the root of what causes you to be self-centered. And it is vain. That's what we'll see in verse 17-18. And so if you live by the world, you will become fools. If you do not know eternity, that is foolishness. As it says in Hebrews 11, that Abraham immediately looked to his heavenly home, living after that heavenly home. So what he is to do, whether he is to stop, whether he is to go, whether he is to go that way or this way, he was never conflicted. Because he lived according to the glory of God's heavenly kingdom that has leading him. And 
And so if you're constantly conflicted, constantly uncertain, that means that something is wrong. I say again and I proclaim to you, brothers, living in faith is confidence. You are not afraid to fail. Go and take back what is yours. Go and trample upon it. All you have to do is be certain that you have faith. Do you have faith? Amen. Amen. Okay, why did I shout? Because maybe some of you might be dozing. Verse 17. And I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. So he's joking. He's he's saying fun. And so if you use the Hebrew, I applied my heart to no wisdom. Right, that he applied wisdom to all of his circumstances. But realized the madness and the folly. That he lived this way, but realized that it's madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. And so he poured his all into knowing the wisdom of the world. But he, and that already is wrong foot. He should have been directed towards God. Right, that's what I continually say to you. That the first step in your Christian life is your direction. Is it directed towards God? That what you look upon is what will come to you. Throughout Hebrews. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. Hold on to God alone. Think of God alone. It's not to transform your emotions. But when you do so, the elements of your life transform. That God's kingdom moves within you. That when you look to the world, the world is moving inside of you. When you look at people, that's why people are moving inside of you. That's why immorality comes into you. And so though he applied his direction to no wisdom and knowledge, it immediately came as foolishness and folly. And so does that mean that the wisdom of this world equals folly? You could say so. And as I said, the devils of this world, how do they lure you? How do they tempt you? They're no longer making you turn into a complete ruin of a person. Right, when I talked about demon possession throughout inner healing, I said that the devil takes possession of you in four ways. First is an attack. Or second is the uh, him coming into you. And then the third thing is possession, right? He possesses you. And then, and then the fourth is seizing. He controls you. And so all four of these are ways that he controls you. If we get to the point of possession, that I cannot move according to my will. And so you become a crazy man, right? 
But in these days, the demons don't come into you to bring you to this port. Rather, they control you as if you are their puppet, moving your mind. That's the scary thing of these times. And so when I go out into the world, I see so many people possessed by demons. Out of, out of the ten people I see, nine of them are demon-possessed. But they are not unusable. They are not... They are still very sharp. They are still very with it. But they do not know that they are living by their own self and so they cannot succeed. But if you live by the Holy Spirit, whether you will it or not, the Holy Spirit leads you in the distribution of energy. And so when you live in this church, you cannot just be good at one thing, right? 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 They were playing the piano. So they have to play the piano, but they also have to be able to minister. They also have to work. They also have to pray. They also have to read the word. They have to worship. They have to dedicate themselves. And so this distribution of, of strength comes through the Holy Spirit. But if the mindset gets characterized by knowledge, this person pours out 90% of their energy in just that one area. Right? Those who are so focused on fitness. Right? 90% of their interest is in their fitness. That is crazy. That is foolishness. But that's, uh, people should not live that way, and yet they do. People who play games, computer games, right, all night long for several nights on, they're putting their energy towards that game. There's a certain mother in the news, she doesn't even change her kid's diapers, and so the kid dies. That's what this Ecclesiastes is talking about, this folly. And so if you do not have this uh, distribution of energy that the Holy Spirit puts in you, then 90% of your energy is going somewhere. Like, for example, watching soccer. Constantly thinking about how to make money. 90%. That's craziness. That is being mad, being possessed by demons. That you cannot control what you are thinking. This is what the cell phone has created in you. This is terrifying, isn't it? This is demon possession. Right? Demon has no use for you if you, are, if you cannot do anything. Right? As is said, he, they gave Judas Iscariot the thought to betray Jesus. You know what I'm talking about even though I don't go through uh, human physiology of Romans. And so, that's the danger of living by information. If you live with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will distribute your energy, your daily tasks. And so, if you're living in the Holy Spirit, how could you not pray? For example, if you don't have the energy to pray, that means you are in the, going through craziness. Right? Folly. You are becoming foolish. 
Right, that you are becoming fools, you are becoming blind, that your eyes are being covered. And so, if you find yourself being disarmed to do the things that God requires of you, then that is proof that you are going crazy. When the Holy Spirit leads you, you will not be disarmed for the desire to pray. Okay, though your Bible has been at peace for so long because you have not touched it for such a long time. Right, many of you, when you first came to our church, when I said turn to Habakkuk, many of you said, Where's Habakkuk? Where's Micah? Right, that's a long time ago, right? But now, if you still, the Bible becomes unfamiliar to you now, that's the danger. And at top of that, we have dedication, ministry. We have conferences. All of these things, God will apportion the energy needed in your life. This is clear evidence that you are living in the Holy Spirit. And so if you are disarmed in this distribution and you are pouring out your energy in useless things, that is a sign that you are being crazy. I said that fullness of Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're praying 24-7 all the time. Fullness of Holy Spirit is the state where you are able to apply immediately where the Holy Spirit is leading you in your life. That the kingdom of heaven is not limited in movement in you. But if you live by information, you constantly live like this. And so what is the preacher saying clearly? That man has no ability on their own to tell between good and evil. That they cannot know what is right, what is wrong. At sometimes this seems right. At sometimes that seems right. This is the image of those who live by information. And so uh, second, uh, second, First Corinthians 2.14 says to discern spiritual things. That only the spiritual man can discern what is good and evil. But because they live by information, this is all muddled. It's all confused. And so conclu- in concluding, if you live by the world, you will live by information. And if you live by information, you will go crazy. And you will be blind. And so when you are attacked by demons, there are two reasons. First is because of our ministry, they hate it, and so they attack us. That one, that's not a big issue. But the second one is the issue. Because of this, because of the shit that I'm not cleaning within me, flies continually keep coming inside of me. And because of this wickedness that I do not deal with, this evil keeps coming inside of me. And so if I don't deal with this, eventually the demon will take control. Maybe he won't even come into me, but immediately just take possession. Because he has dominion over your mind. And so we must not rest at purifying ourselves, cleansing ourselves. We must not stop. Amen.
His conclusion. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And so you will be vexed the more information you have. And so he's explaining the reason for the madness and folly that we see in verse 17. Why does life become folly? Why do they become blind? That's what 18 is explaining. And, and uh, he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. And so this is the complete opposite of someone who lives in faith. If we live in faith, then we will be neutral. Right? We will not be shaken. Right? Like Moses standing before the Red Sea. Though the Egypt Pharaoh's army is chasing after me, and before me is the Red Sea, to the left and to the right are mountains, and so there's nowhere to go. And yet Moses is not shaken. This is the image of those who live in faith. Those who have relationship with God will not be shaken. They will not be shaken. Amen? They, they will not be in chaos they will not be quick to rage and also when it talks about this sorrow it's talking about a physical pain and so the more you live by this world the more you feel that pain the more you are in suffering and so if you look at Proverbs 17 it says something similar of chapter 17 verse 22 it says that um, he who uh, a joyful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones <laughs> and so they are not getting osteoporosis because of because they lack calcium but because they have worries and concerns and so really, if you look at it spiritually, those who have lots of hurts and wounds, their bones are very weak. And so look at our grandmothers. Your bones are so weak. It's because you have let your hurts and wounds fester. And so when you interpret what's coming out of their hearts, even though their husband has already passed away, and yet they are still groaning after them. This, this crooning after their husband is still going because they have not dealt with these hurts and wounds. They have not finished dealing with their, their, their uh, grievances. This is really important. That, uh, the, that the worriness rots the bones. And if you live by the information of the world, worries and concerns will come to you. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says to not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. That you be satisfied with what the day's provision. And you experience this all the time. That even though it's the same problem, simply to change in the fullness of the Holy Spirit makes that problem completely disappear. But if you are not full of the Holy Spirit, that problem will feel like a mountain. That's why we got to live in the whole fullness of the Holy Spirit. And, 
And so the more what wisdom you receive, the more knowledge you receive, it increases sorrow and vexation. Then should we stop learning? Remember, the problem is not the learning itself, but that the learning is not going to bring blessing to you. Right? Blessing comes from who God is and what dignity He has given to you. And how is He reigning over you? This is what will bless, determine your blessing. And so without this relationship with God, no matter what education you may receive, your life will not be blessed. And you see this clearly at our church. And so what's important is your relationship with God. How much dignity He has given to you. How He is reigning over you. Without this, the, pro- or the problem is, is that you try to find happiness without these things. And so let us be clear, brothers, that any education outside of God cannot bless my life. It's simply going to lead to disaster, to despair, and to de- depression. And so, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And now the preacher is speaking of joy. Earlier he talk, spoke, spoke of wisdom. And now he's talking to himself, right? I said in my heart. And again, in Hebrew, that come, I will test your pleasure. And so he's speaking to his heart and is also himself. And so, so what is he saying? He's determining, I'm going to experience pleasure. That I'm going to enjoy myself. That I'm going to do what I want. And, but then he asks himself, is this right? right that's, the, that's the flow of chapter 2 verse 1. That live your life as you want. But is this righteousness? And it's not, right? He says, but behold, this also was vanity, was veil. And so material joy, worldly joy, secular joy, it's all hevel. And we'll see clearly in chapter 5 him saying this. But uh, if chapter 5, verse 10 to 12, that he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his own eyes? And so all you will see is more people eating. So you're just getting fatter and fatter. Verse 12. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. And so we need to live by the riches God gives. But verse 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. That means that the riches that God gives is where man will find contentment. Verse 19. 
Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possession and power to enjoy them, this is the gift of God. And so it is through the gift of God that we are enriched. Verse 20. For he will not remember the days of his life. That means that he is going to live without worries. Because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Because they are living in this life relationship with God where God is answering him. And so there's no need to live by our greed. This is how we are to live our lives with God. That when we need, we ask from God. God will give what He wants us to enjoy. And so you have been enjoying this, yes? You've been enjoying the riches in your spirit and in your flesh. Amen? Even during the coronavirus, we continually enjoyed that riches. Right? Our finances were doubled during the coronavirus. Never once did we not have worship here. Amen? And so Ecclesiastes is being clear. Verse 2 of chapter 2. I said of laughter, it is mad. He's saying laughter is madness. Right? Madness. that any joy that of someone who does not know eternity is foolishness. And so this joy, this momentary joy is Hevel. Just as when a child is full on sweets will not eat food. And so the pleasure of this world makes you lose sight of the joy of heaven. If you are satisfied with that pleasure, you will ignore God's joy. And so the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so it's a serious issue if you do not know what that joy is. If you get happy and you're pleased with lots of money in your hand, that is madness. If you are pleased with what you have accomplished, That is, you are filled with your own strength. That is the desire for success. And so the more you laugh in these things, the more you smile in these things, you lose God's fundamental joy. And so when we mourn, we should mourn. And when God rejoices, we should rejoice. This balance will be clearly made in you if you have proper spirituality. All circumstances may seem to be devoid of joy, but when God says to rejoice, we rejoice. Even though all circumstances seem to be good, if God says to mourn, then we should mourn. This is those who are after God's heart. And so what we need to understand is that this joy, this laughter is what's destroying them. It's making them greedy for more. 
they try to find more joy in these things. They try to re- enjoy in themselves. They try to rejoice in their own achievements. The only reason for our joy is God. Even when we achieve something, it's not the achievement that we rejoice in, but that God has made it evident, that God has given it to us. That that work in itself cannot give us joy. The joy comes from God answering us. The worldly joy takes away God's joy. And so if you keep looking for the riches of the world, you lose sight of God's riches. And it's when we do not lose sight of God's riches that the poverty around me does not become a problem. That no matter how depressed the world around me may be, that when I have the joy of God, I will not fall into despair. We've experienced this many times in our church, amen? When Enoch tragically passed away, when God said that I have done it, the church had a festival. And the price of his blood served the pastors of Argentina. And so this sorrow was not sorrow. Joy is not always joy. It's only when God says to rejoice that we have joy. When we do not know that, we will fall into despair. Amen. Amen. And there's only one verse left, so take heart. The sermon is a little short, right? Should I go a little bit deeper? It's not over yet, though. (laughs) We don't know how long. And so, what use is it? And so, this pleasure of the world, what use is it? He's saying that it's not beneficial. And I talked about the five evil desires in Habakkuk. And we call this the root evil that causes all sin. The new season is upon us. Amen? And there are many people who did not recognize the wickedness of these desires. But now we must recognize that this is wickedness. Amen? That it's because of my desire to possess, my desire for security, my desire for achievement, for success, for pleasure, for idolatry. That these five things are the source of all my sins. And so we must come to detest these things, to despise these things, to fight these things, and to let these roots be uprooted, and to be able to apply the blood of the Christ. And it's time for these desires to be uprooted. Then we will experience the freedom that Galatians speaks of. The true freedom of God. Lastly, verse 3. I I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with mine. My heart still guiding me with wisdom. And so the order in English is proper. And so he's saying, I want to experience the pleasures of the flesh. And yet, immediately, he still expects to be led by wisdom. And so he's determining that he's how to lay down folly and to determine what is right and good. And so, in other words, he's crazy. 
Right, he's saying that he wants his cake and eat it and being able to enjoy everything and yet still also be led in wisdom. And yet, he is, he is a little bit better than most. Why? Because he still wants wisdom and, and goodness, righteousness. But is it possible? It's not. And so even when I talked about the rich man and Lazarus, the, the beggar Lazarus, okay, many people want to be the rich man and Lazarus at the same time. But this confession that he's making, it's actually all our confessions. And when I say to the young adults that all they need, all your spouse needs is faith. Oh, pastor, of course, faith. But you know, they need to be 1.8 meters tall. They also have to come from a good background. Uh, And at the very least, a, a diploma and a little bit of money. Are you crazy that that man would come to you? That's what this is saying right here. Right? They are looking for the worldly pleasures and the spiritual things at the same time. What is syncretism? That I need God, but I also need other things. What is faith? God alone. That when you hold on to eternal value, you cannot value anything else. That when you love God, you cannot love anything else. That when you know God's wisdom, you understand that there is no other wisdom. When you see His glory, there is no other glory. Just as after looking into the sun, you cannot see the light of this light bulb. And so when you have this conflict, it means you have failed to meet with God. That this is someone who is just moral, ethical. That he wants to be a good man, but at the same time enjoy the pleasures of the world. This is folly. This is madness. This is spiritual blindness. And so this is the best the world has to offer. Right, Elon Musk. He's a crazy man. When I look at his picture, I can see all his hurts and wounds. And one of the companies he made was a company that studies drugs. Because this company is studying how to be on drugs, but without all the, all the damage that dr- drugs do to you. And I think officially he has uh, declared 11 children. And all of these hurts and wounds that are inside of him. I think seven or eight years ago I prophesied. That, that for a while, for a time, uh, the economy of the world will be in his hands. And so the devil is leading him. But he has lots of hurts and wounds. And eventually he's going to commit suicide. Right now he's trying to un- unleash himself through pleasure and joy. 
But pleasure cannot give you happiness. And so for us, right, it's all the pleasure of our eyes, right? But all this is madness. It's binding your mind. And so this is where today's sermon ends. And, but through Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I don't know how much we'll be able to continue in Ecclesiastes. Because next week we're going to Galatians. And then the week after I'm going to Africa. And so, so we'll go as far as we can. And through Ecclesiastes, we must see the vanity of this world. And what is more powerful than this world? It is the love of God. That God has given you His dignity. That God has given you His glory. That God has given you His victory. Amen. When we live by faith, we will live in confidence. Beloved brothers, do not be afraid. Do not cower. For God has chosen you. God has poured out his dignity upon you. So there is nothing to fear. It's because you lack faith that you fear. With faith, there is no fear. Amen. And so let us reject the strategy of devil trying to pollute your mind. And, and it is time for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Beloved children, do not be afraid. Do not doubt. In confidence, go out into the world. For I have determined victory. That the rate of holiness will go faster and faster. Look, cast your gaze upon me. Look to me. Hallelujah. Lord, glorify your community. May your saints rise up as models of faith. Work powerfully in this conference. And may your word be embodied immediately. May the reactor of your gospel circulate. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we want to live by your grace alone. We do not want to lose our energy to anything vain in this world. But fix our eyes upon you. And walk with you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. Lord, bless today's offering. In this time of poverty, you who have granted us riches, we have continually sent forth this riches to the world and continually through us, may you raise up your remnant and raise up your glorious church. Bless all the hands that have offered here today and especially may your businesses rise up amazing businesses that will feed this peninsula in these end times that will be used for the remnant in these end times and to all Zoe ministry that are with us online today bless them 
protect them, watch over them, and lead them to your victory. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to those who believe that the things of this world are heaven, and put everything on your glory, upon their family, upon their business, upon their workplace, upon this people, this nation, upon Zoe ministry, missions all over the world, and upon Yerbang Church. May this blessing rest now and forevermore.